Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to UFC welterweight Colby Covington. He's looking to fight a top 10 opponent next, and I think he's earned it. He had a lot to say, so definitely tune into that. Then, I'm joined by Lazar Stojadinovich. This is a guy that just fought at LFA 2 and destroyed Mike Richmond, and he's hoping to get that UFC call pretty soon. I love what they're doing over at LFA, and uh, I think Lazar might be in the big show next. And last but not least, we're joined by Damian Whitehead. He's an up-and-coming prospect in the bantamweight division. I was actually at his MMA debut last week, and I gotta say, this kid has a lot of talent. So, you know I gotta bring the new generation on half the battle as well. And man, how damn good did Jorge Masvidal look the other day? I mean, every single time that Cowboy would kick him, Jorge timed that 3-2 perfectly, and he put him out on two separate occasions in the fight. Obviously, Valentina Shevchenko, a lot of us thought she was going to win, but to beat Juliana Pena at her own game with the takedowns and, you know, obviously the armbar was just, that was a statement. So I can't wait to see a rematch with Amanda Nunes. Francis Ngannou, I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> I mean, the people that are saying he's a future heavyweight champion, they might be onto something. And Jason the Kid Knight, shout out to him. What a performance against Caceres. Can't wait to see what's next for Jason the Kid Knight. All right, Colby Covington, here we go. And joining me now is Colby Covington. Colby, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on Half the Battle. Excited uh, to be here. Anytime, man. And real quick, how unbelievable did Jorge Masvidal look last night, man? I mean, uh, hashtag easy money, right? Exactly, man. It's the easy money tour. That's what we've been talking about for the last year or so. You know, it's an easy money campaign. Easy money. Man, I mean, you know, I, I bet on him, so I thought he was going to win, but I didn't know he was going to knock him out. Not just once, he knocked him out twice in the fight. Yeah, man, he, he definitely stopped him, you know, with a second left to go in the first. Herb pulled him off before the bell sounded. They should have stopped it, you know. I feel bad for Cowboy that he had to take unnecessary punishment in the second. You know, once you get knocked down like that and you get concussed, it's tough to recover. And then, you know, to, to take another beat, a hit like that to the head in the second, you know, it's just... Two knockdowns and one fight. Two knockouts and two finishes in one fight is just brutal to Cowboy. You know, Herb Dean needs to do a better job reffing. Yeah, I'm no expert, but, I mean, is that like two concussions or does it just worsen the first? Fuck, man, I, I don't know. I've never had a concussion or been knocked out or knocked down. So, you know, I, I don't know, but I can't imagine that's very good for his brain. Your brain's not like a body, like a muscle in the body where it heals over time. You know, it, it, once you hurt your brain, you know, that's that's for life. Yeah, definitely, man. Now, obviously, you know, Jorge, he's your friend, he's your teammate, your training partner, so you thought he was going to win, but did you know he was going to knock out Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Uh, I definitely believed in him that he could knock him out, you know, he has some of the fastest hands in the division, the guy's just a gamer, and, and on top of that, you know, he was fighting in backyards when he didn't even know how to fight, he was fighting in backyards against 300-pound black dudes that that were coming to kill him, and he didn't even know how to fight. He was just a tough Cuban kid who wanted to make a couple couple bucks to eat some McDonald's, you know. So, you know, he's just a gamer, man. I believe in him to do whatever he wants to do. And he said he was going to knock him out, and that's exactly what he did. Man, and now he's a top five guy, so shit, the sky's the limit. But as far as you're concerned, dude, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about your career in a second. But, you know, I've been calling for you to fight against uh, Kamara Uzman for a while. And then I saw another fan wanted to see that fight as well, and you said that. Kamara's been, uh, you know, he's been ducking you a little bit. Can you tell me about that, man? I had no idea. Bro, he's been, that's hilarious. He's been ducking me for like four or five years, man. We were supposed to fight in this little promotion out here in Florida called CFA, 
And then he was ducking me. He didn't want to fight me. He turned me down. So I went and fought this kid, Jose Caceres, choked out Jose Caceres. He ended up fighting Jose Caceres like the next fight, like a couple months later. And Jose choked him out. So, you know, he was ducking me. And then he lost to a guy I lost, a guy I killed, you know. And then he's never wanted to fight me, you know. As soon as he won the ultimate fighter, I wanted to fight him. I was like, let's go, man. I'm 3 0 in the UFC. You just won the ultimate fighter. You should be lucky. I'm giving you this challenge. I beat the number 13 guy in the world, Mike Powell, but I still want to fight you because you beat all my teammates, the top team. And I want to defend them and show them that, you know, we're, I'm the next generation. Those guys got put on the show because I was already in the UFC, but he turned me down another three times. Joe Silva called me, hey, you know, Cameron does, doesn't want to fight you. So, you know, I've tried to call him out on Twitter, get him going. He don't want that fight, man. I'm telling you right now, he knows who the best grappler in the division is. He knows who the most well-rounded fighter in the division is. He's scared, and, and he's smart, man. He's making a smart decision with his career. I don't blame him. Man, I had no idea that this stemmed back to the regional days. Because, I mean, when you talk about a guy like yeah. Jose Caceres, I mean, that's your fourth ever pro fight, dude. Yeah, man, this goes way back. It's crazy the history we got out here in Florida. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. So, I mean, do you think it'll ever happen? or Because here's the thing with me, man. You know, a lot of people like to say that they don't like to see, you know, two top prospects fight each other because it's the death of a prospect. But for me personally... This is the UFC, man. I want to see the best fight the best. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that's why I came here, man. I, I came here to fight the best. I know he ain't one of the best, but I still want to fight him because he thinks he's the best. So, you know, I came here to fight the best and test myself and fight the best fighters in the world and show that I am the best fighter in the world. So whoever those, those steps are to get there, you know, I just want to make the fans happy. If people want me to fight him, then I'll fight him. That's easy money. But, uh, you know, I just want to fight the best guys and get my title. Dude, speaking of easy money, I mean, obviously your first two UFC fights against Wagner and uh, and Wong, you know, well, I want to personally thank you for the easy money, but let me ask you this, man. Psycho- <laughs> psychologically speaking, what was it like taking on two guys like that, and then you fight Mike Pyle, a dude that, you know, he, you know, his debut was against Rampage, his second fight ever was against Fitch. I mean, Mike Pyle's a vet of the game, dude. Yeah, it was definitely a step up, but that's what made that's what has helped my career a lot. You know, those first two fights, you know, the, the guys had only had like one fight in the UFC. They'd won one fight. And I went in their backyards, fought in Brazil against him. The guys are booing me, went to China, they're booing me. You know, and I finished those guys. I I knocked out the Chinese dude and then submitted the, the black belt Brazilian dude. And then I get a Mike Pyle fight, you know, and that was a short notice fight. You know, he, his opponent dropped out about two weeks before the fight. And I wasn't really training, but I was like, you know what? I want to test myself. This is what fighting is all about. You want to test yourself. You want to see what you're made of. I wasn't in camp or, or in sh- or fight shape or really trained. I was like, I'm going to take Mike Powell on. He was number 13 or 14 in the world at the time. I'm going to take him on in two weeks. Let's do it, man. I'm, com- I'm coming to Vegas. I trained for one week. I went and fought him. And the experience I gained from that, it wasn't my best fight. I didn't fight very well. I fought to get the win, and, and that's what I did. I dominated him in, in every facet of the game. I, I outstroke him. I outgrappled him. And I got the win dominantly, and, and that was a pretty easy money fight too. But it showed me a lot about myself that I can overcome obstacles. You know, I didn't need a full camp. I didn't, you know, mentally I was like I was I wasn't there how I normally am because I didn't have a full training camp and I didn't feel as good as I normally feel. But that was a learning experience, and that, and that's what fighting is all about. You got to test yourself every day. Yes, sir. So I mean, going in in that fight, were you at all like, oh shit, it's Mike Pyle, or was it strictly, I'm in here to be the best, and I'm gonna go in there and whoop his ass. Um, you know, I, I definitely believed in myself. I, you know, I, I was going in there to kill, you know, I, I was like, you know, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't go into a battle thinking I'm not going to win. You know, I, I go, I went into that fight thinking I was going to win, but there was like that feeling like, damn, fighting my pal, he's a legend. You know, he's beaten a lot of great fighters. He's been a world champion. You know, he's, 
he's a top 15 ranked welterweight in the world. He's, he's, uh, you can't, I mean, the guy's a game, you know, he's a veteran, he know, he know, old dogs have new tricks, you know, and he's that type of dude. So, you know, he's a very dangerous fighter and you got to be careful when you fight a guy like that. Definitely. And then your next fight, you take on Warley and look, every single fighter, it does not matter who you are, has to take that first loss. Now, you know, word on the street is that you did have some kind of injury. Now, was that an injury you had going into the fight or did it happen during the fight? Yes, I, I fractured my rib two weeks before the fight. You know, the UFC is aware of it. So, you know, they know that I was going in there at, at 50% at best. You know, I didn't train at all. I didn't even really cut weight. I was just sitting in the sun. I couldn't even move. Like, my range of motion was crappy. I couldn't breathe. If I coughed, I was crying. I mean, it was bad, dude. Like, I got, like, five cortisone shots before the fight. Like, one on Friday, two on Thursday, one on Wednesday. One. On, I mean, it was like every day was just going to the doctor just to get a cortisone shot so I could have the opportunity to compete. And, and that was another thing where I, it was kind of like the same thing with the power. I wanted to test myself. I wanted to see what I was truly made of. I knew I was hurt. You know, I fought hurt before, though. I fought in Brazil when I had a broken foot. I fought in other fights where, you know, I had a, a hurt a hurt knee or something, you know. So I wanted to test myself. And, and I learned a lesson. I paid the price, man. It's not like he beat me. He's not better. Or he's not even close to on my level as a better fighter. But, you know, he got a lucky submission. It was a fluke submission. He caught me. Good for him. He he can he can have his claim to fame someday that he tapped out the future champ. But you know that's not a reflection of the type of fighter I am. You know it's just I think I I paid the price and I made a mistake. You know when you make mistakes in life you have to pay the price and that's exactly what happened. I went into a fight when I wasn't a hundred percent and I paid the price. So you know that that fight motivates me. I'm glad I took that loss. I don't want to be undefeated. I, I like the loss. It keeps me fucking hungry every day. I wake up. I'm like fucking pissed off. I go fucking train hard and. And I, I, you know, that, that, that loss was the best thing for me. You know, I, you know, it wasn't like a, he didn't beat me up. He just got lucky. He caught my neck. He came out and kicked me right in my rib, right where the, the fractured rib was at. And I, you know, I was like, Ooh, and I went up against the cage and I just put my head down. He caught me in a choke. So, you know, hats off to him for capitalizing on my mistakes, but I didn't lose to Warley Ave. I lost to myself. I beat myself before I got in the cage. I feel like we all know what would have happened if that fight turned into a battle of wills. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Colby. But let me ask you this, man. How did you get cleared to to compete in that fight? I don't know, man. I was going to the UFC doctors all week. You know, they saw the fracture. He's like, man, you sure you want to fight? Even the UFC doctor, he's like, you sure you want to fight, man? I don't know if you're ready to fight. I was like, no, I want to fight, man. I want to do that. I need this. But it was more about, you know, I need the money. I was really broke at the time. I didn't have any money, so... I have college student loans to pay off and, and I have bills and, and I have no money. I don't, I don't have rich parents. I don't, I'm, you know, I grew up poor. So, you know, I just showed up to get my paycheck, to be honest, man. Like people will see in the long run that that's true, you know, and why I really did it. But, you know, I needed that, I needed that show money, you know, that show money was pretty much to get me to the next point in my life, you know, just so I could live and eat and not. So, but I don't know how I got cleared. You know, the, the UFC doctor, you know, they were giving me, he's like, you sure you want to fight? I was like, I got to fight, man. I need the money really bad. And, you know, he's like, all right, man, I'll just give you cortisone on Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday and Friday. And, and you, you know, just we just got to hope it holds up, you know. And, and that's what, you know, I was hoping it masked the pain. The pain wasn't really there that week. And then, and then I couldn't really warm up. I didn't really warm up. I just went out. I just walked out to the fight. First five, five seconds fight, I'm just kind of, you know, just feeling mountain bang, it throws a body kick right to my rib, and, you know, that's all she wrote. I knew my, my body started to shut down. Like, I literally felt my whole body going numb, and my body shut down. I went against the cage, put my head down, and he got it, so, you yeah. know.
It, it is what it is, what uh-huh. it is, man. But real quick, yeah. how, how tight is this dude's guillotine? Because, you know, everyone knows that's his best move, and I'm sure you've trained with tons of dudes that, you know, have good guillotines. How does his compare? No, yeah, definitely. He has a great guillotine, you know. he's uh, That's, like, his special move. You know, he's been practicing his whole life, you can tell. So he's mastered the guillotine, you know. Uh, that's his best move, and everybody knows that's what he does. So it's very tight. You know, I probably would have went to sleep if I wouldn't have tapped, and, I'm usually the type of guy, like, you got to put me to sleep in there, you know? Like, when Mike Powell, he, he put a rear naked choke on me, and I was about to go to sleep, too, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to give one last effort to get out, and I ended up getting out, and I just remember taking, <gasps> like, a, whole, a huge breath, like, damn, that, that choke was tight, man. I was, like, literally a half a second from being asleep against Mike Powell. So, you know, he's got a tight guillotine. Since then, you're on a three-fight streak, and do you take on this kid, Jonathan Minier? Now, real quick, was he a late replacement for someone, or was that the original fight? Yeah, he was a late replacement. Alex Garcia got scared to fight me. In his oh, country, right. So he, he, he ducked me. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's uh, some outside of the cage issues going on with him that uh, I think you, you know what I'm talking about. But bottom line, you got that yep, that fight sure. with uh, with Jonathan. And I mean, is it weird at all fighting a dude that's six foot three, you know, that long, that lanky? Or do you find it easier to take down guys like that? No, that was that was definitely a challenge, man. He was, uh, you know, he was an undefeated prospect. Finished all his pro- finished all his fights, and he was just long and lanky and just different. You know, I, I don't really train with guys like that in the gym. You know, I train with guys like Robbie Lawler and uh, Jorge Masvidal. They're all about the same size. We're six foot, you know, five eleven, and to fight this guy who's six three is just so awkward, so long, and he's a kickboxer, has really good kicks and and some good punches. So that that definitely was a cool challenge that that presented itself and. You know, that definitely helped me out a lot to fight a fighter like that. You know, you got to be able to beat every body shape in the world. No doubt about it. So, I mean, you got the nice choke there. And then the next fight, you take on Max Griffin. I mean, this guy, he was a hype prospect coming in. He's athletic. He's a finisher. You went out there and you finished him, but you know. Uh, but let's not just talk about the finish. Up until then, you know, we you did what uh, we like to refer to as uh, big brothering someone. <laughs> What's it like doing that to someone inside the UFC's octagon? Uh, it's, it's pretty fun to be honest, you know, there's no, no, there's, there's no better feeling, you know, that, that adrenaline rush when, you know, all the emotions that leads up into it, you know, there was a lot of emotions for, from that fight. The, the kid was talking mad crap, saying this about my family, saying this about me. I wasn't really saying much to him because I just didn't really care. You know, I just, I was like, okay, man, I'm going to show up. You better be ready to show up and fight, man. Don't, don't get injured. You know, let's, you better get to that cage. So. Then we get on stage and we weigh in, and Dana White's right there, and he's like laughing. He's like, "You're a fucking clown. I'm gonna smoke you tomorrow. You smoke, bitch!" Like this night in front of Dana, and I'm like, "Dude, you're a fucking idiot. You're gonna eat your words right in front of Dana. Mark my words, Dana." I told Dana, "Mark my fucking words. This dude's gonna eat his words tomorrow." And then we go in there, you know, I make him quit. You know, I I TKO him and make him quit in the third round. His face is all bloody. He just looks like a dead dog, <clears throat> and that, that's a good feeling. You know, I looked in his eyes, looked in his soul. I said, that's right, man. You better watch who you talk to in the future, man. You better If, you, if you're going to talk, you better make sure you can back it up. So that was a good feeling. You know, he had a lot of hype from Sacramento. They said he's the king of Sacramento, and I was born in Sacramento. So I took a lot of pride in being able to beat his ass and, be, and, and represent West Coast. Yeah, and then he he went on in his next fight. He he, he knocked a dude out in under a minute. So that, that that just lets you know the kind of caliber opponent that Max Griffin is. But real quick, man. So I heard this interview yeah, with uh, Jorge Masvidal, and he was talking about you know you're one of his main training partners, and the thing that he loves about training with a guy like you is that you can just go and go and go and go. You you, you don't know you, you don't stop, right? So that 
you know, you've done that in all your fights, but in the Max Griffin fight in particular, and we'll talk about the Barbarena one here in a sec, where does that come from, man? How are you able to just, you know, push that pace all three rounds? Um, I just think it comes from years of wrestling, you know, since I was a little kid. I uh, just I put in so much cardiovascular work through wrestling, and I just feel like I have the best cardiovascular system in the world, you know. And and, and I, I really do feel like that's true. I've been in Iowa University of Iowa wrestling room, Oregon State wrestling room, all these top collegiate wrestling rooms, and I always had the best cardio. And I never got tired. I never took water breaks. There was like, oh, when you get tired, take a water break. I was the guy that never took a water break. The whole practice, like I. I made it an issue to be mentally tough and not take water breaks and have the best cardio, make guys break, you know, who's going to break first. Who's mentally going to, who's going to mentally want to take a break first. I never took that break first. And I think that's just been, what's the key, you know? And even when I got up to American top team, same thing, you know, breaking all these guys. And I just, I've just made it an issue for my life's work. Just, you know, to feel like I have the best cardio, like I take pride in having the best cardio and the best conditioning in the world. So you know, we get to five-round fights, which are going to be real soon. That's what I'm looking for very soon. So five-round fights are going to favor me. Every time I get done with third round, I'm like, man, I feel good. I need like three or four more rounds, you know, to I feel warmed up now after that third round. So I'm ready for five-round fights. I'm excited for five-round fights. And, you know, I, I think I can drown guys, and I don't think anybody can keep up with me in the conditioning department. Let me ask you this. What's your assessment of your stand-up? Because, I mean, the times we've seen it, I mean, I saw you I, I saw you throw some bombs on Mike Pyle, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't you do, like, some fucking, like, 360 kick in one of your fights or something? Yeah, yeah, I did do I've done a couple 360 kicks. You know, I, I spin, him, spin him back fix, knock down Jonathan Manure, who's, like, a high-level kickboxing dude. You know, spin him back fix, dropped him, and then choked him out, you know. Dude, I have really good stand-up. It's just, you know, I haven't showcased it. You know you know how it is in the UFC. you got to let go of those nerves a little bit. But I've been a wrestler my whole life. So, you know, I, you know I'm winning. I'm, I'm, I'm in the record books already for takedowns, most takedowns and, and, and control. So, you know, I'm doing my best and getting by these fights for now. But you guys are going to see my stand-up soon. Guys, guys know in the gym at American Top Team, you know, I spar with Robbie, spar with George. They know how good my stand-up is. My stand-up is very good. I feel like it's world-class and, you know, it's just about letting it go and pulling the trigger. Sometimes you don't pull the trigger in fights, and, and that's the biggest thing is pulling the trigger. So I'm going to start pulling the trigger. Guys think I'm coming in to wrestle. It's going to be a different story when they when they get woken up from being unconscious. What's your opinion on when wrestlers start knocking dudes out and then they fall in love with their striking power and kind of abandon the wrestling? How, the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, I have a feeling you're going to knock someone out soon. And how do you make it to where, you know, you, you still have that uh, unbelievable wrestling background to fall back on? Yeah, you know, I won't ever, I won't ever forget where I came from. You know, that's that's the type of person I am. I don't forget my roots and and where I came from. No matter if I knock someone out, I'm always gonna put wrestling in a fight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them feel threatened with my wrestling with and with the pace that I put on. You better be ready for a high paced fight. You know, and there's gonna be some hard hits in there. So, you know, I'm not gonna forget about wrestling. Guys like Josh Koscheck, they forget about the wrestling, they start getting knockouts, and then they think they're a striker. It's like you're not a striker. There's still little mistakes you're going to make in your striking and your movement, your footwork and your head movement, this and that, where you're going to get caught because you're lifelong wrestlers. So, you know, no matter what, if I knock someone out, I'm still going to be a wrestler someday because, you know, that's where I came from. And I'm not going to fall in love with striking just if I knock someone out because that's not realistic. I didn't grow up striking. So, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm the most well-rounded fighter in the world. And I'm going to show that every time I step out there in that octagon, you know. 
So, dude, in that fight with Brian Barberena, you know, before we talk about the fight itself, what was it like psychologically for you? Was it all like, you know, he beat the guy that beat me, or was it just like, I'm going to go out there and whoop his ass? Yeah, 100%. That's, you know, the biggest thing. When I saw it, when I got that call to fight him, I was like, yes, I can show everybody the real truth. You know, he dominantly beat Worley Alves. That fight wasn't really close. He, he stopped him down, beat him up in his home country where Worley should have had the most power and strength that and he went out there and he dominated him for three rounds so i knew that was my revenge fight and that's what i was looking for I, you know i wanted my revenge I, either i was gonna i was gonna work my way back to warley or i was gonna get someone who beat him and since warley had lost to him it didn't make sense to fight a guy losing when i was on a win streak so you know i was happy to get brian barbrana who who convincingly beat warley and i wanted to go put on a show you know i wanted to go out there and, and dominate him from 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 bell to bell and let everybody know and send a strong message that that wasn't me and I'm just getting started. So, you know, your two prior opponents, you know, before Brian Barberena, you finished them both, right? But with Brian, I mean, he's one of those dudes that's known for being so damn tough. He'll take that ass whooping up front, and then in that third round, he rallies late. So what was it like for you to, you know, not get discouraged that, that he's not getting discouraged? You know what I mean? You just kept it on him all three. Yeah, you know, he's a tough, resilient type fighter, and I knew that going into the fight, so... You know, I know he wasn't going to just lay over. You know, I hit him with some big shots, and I saw his eyes roll back, but he would back up a little bit towards the cage. Like, whoa, kind of be like, whoa, this kid can hit, you know, and crack. And, and But, you know, I, I wasn't going to rush in and try and do something and, and, and get caught myself. So, you know, I just had to be methodical, pick my shots, get my takedowns, rack up the takedowns. I think I got, like, second most takedowns in a UFC fight in the history, and I'm already third most takedowns in the record books in the history of the UFC welterweight division. So, you know, I just had to pick my shots, be methodical, and just, you know, just beat him from whistle to whistle, and that's what I did. You know, he didn't, you know, I dominated him from, you know, I beat him every single round, and it, and it really wasn't competitive in my mind. I, I, you know, I put on a clinic on him, so, you know, that's that's what I wanted to do. I'm pissed I didn't get the finish, but, you know, I had some I had some things leading up. I'm not going to make no excuses, but, you know, I had some things leading up. You know, I wasn't able to train the last four weeks. I, I tore my MCL, so. You know, I'm just happy I was able to get out there and fight injured again. You know, when I told myself I wasn't going to do that from the Worley fight, I learned my lesson, but obviously I didn't. But, you know, uh, you know, I'm just happy I was able to get out there and showcase what I'm really capable of. Definitely. So, I mean, what's next, man? I mean, are you going to nurse some injuries? Are you going to take a fight right away? What are you looking to do? Yeah, um, well, actually, in the fight, he threw a couple low kicks. He, uh, well, actually, I probably shouldn't say in the interview what he heard because then people might... <laughs> trying to target that but you know i'm i'm nursing up right now this injury and i will be back soon i'll probably be back training the next week and i'm looking to fight in april and i only want to fight with the rank guy i only want someone ahead of me I, i'm not gonna fight these camera Usman schmucks these guys are schmucks man like they're not on my level like come to american top team dana white watch me train watch what i'm doing to these guys that are like the top three four guys in the world you'll 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 want to give me a big fight you know, I want Dung Hum Kim, I want Gunnar Nelson, Rick Story, anybody in the top ten, Neil Magny, all these soft dudes that are in the top ten protecting their rankings, they need they need to give me that shot, you know. Every time there's been injury fallouts, I've tried to put my name in there and Joe Silva's called Neil Magny when his injury fell out. Oh, no, he doesn't want to fight you. He'd rather take Lorenz Lark and this that. <laughs> all these guys, you know, they're running, man. They don't want to fight me and it's bullshit because I want to make my run to the title. I want my title shot. That's what I got in this for and I know it's my destiny to be a world champion I'm telling you man this ain't no joke man I really do feel like it's my destiny to be world champion so any guy with the number next to their name which that doesn't mean shit I'm gonna prove 
that those numbers don't mean anything, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way to a title shot. Well, dude, I mean, I, I can't say I blame them because we all know a good wrestler is the toughest kind of fighter to go against. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I can't say I blame yeah. them. But, uh, dude, I mean, are you looking to fight, you know, in the next two months or, or just whatever happens? Yeah, 100% I want to fight by April. That's my plan. I want to be fighting on some show in April, whatever, wherever they want me to go. I don't care. if it's, You know what? I'd like to fight Rafael Dos Anjos. If there's a show in Brazil, I'll go fight Rafael Dos Anjos in Brazil. If... If I don't even know any of those guys that are ranked, I'll go to their backyard and fight them. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. I'll go to Brazil, China, Asia, Australia, wherever these guys want to fight in their backyard and they're ranked, bring those guys to me and let me go fight them. And, and, and I guarantee the crowd's going to be booing like they were booing my boy George in Colorado. Hey, you, you don't think there's a chance they'll give you Cowboy, right? You know, he's coming off a loss and, you know, maybe maybe they want to get him back on track, quote unquote. No chance. They want to keep his confidence high. They probably want to give him a tune-up fight. He, Cowboy's not going to take a fight with me, but if he does, I, I, will, I will happily oblige. And, you know, he, it's, it's going to be a similar result to what he felt last night. Yeah. Dude, before we get out of here, let me ask you this. Who you got between Tony Ferguson and Khabib? Man, that's such a tough fight to pick. But if I got to go with anybody, I got to go with Khabib. You know, I... Tony Ferguson, I, I saw him fight one of my buddies, Danny Castillo, and I thought Danny won that fight. So, you know, he was taking him down, kind of beating him up a little bit on the ground. But, you know, Tony's so dangerous, man. He has such nasty submissions and just really good stand-up. So, you know, that's going to be a great fight, such an even fight. But if I had to put money on someone had to bet and forced to bet, I'd probably pick the beat. What about a Wonderboy versus T-Wood, the rematch? Uh, I think, you know, I think Woodley won the first one. You know, I thought he won three rounds of two or at least got two 10 8, 10 for dropping him you know he beat him up pretty good in those two rounds so you know i i would think that you know he, he feels comfortable with wonder boy striking distance and he's learned to see that karate and how he's going to throw the kicks the angles and whatnot so i would think that woodley would come through yeah bet him the first time bet him the second time colby thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> to speak with me right here right now on half the battle man let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug go ahead dude yeah, th uh, thanks for having me on Half the Battle. If you guys want to follow my journey to a world title, uh, my Twitter is at ColbyCovMMA, and same with Instagram, at ColbyCovMMA, and Facebook, Colby Covington. And I, I just appreciate all you guys' support, and uh, thanks for having me on Half the Battle. You got it, buddy. Until next time, uh, best of luck, bro. Thank you so much. Take care, brother. Joining me now is Lazar Stojadinovich. Lazar, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, you got it, dude. So, congrats, man. You went out there. You uh, you destroyed Mike Richmond. I mean, look, a lot of us knew that you had a really good chance going into the fight, but usually when guys beat Mike Richmond, you know, they wrestle him. They try to avoid the fight. You you beat him at his own game, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, explained, to, I explained to everybody, you know, that if you stand there in front of me, I mean... My jiu-jitsu game, don't get me wrong, is, is top-notch, and you know I have some mission on my record as well for, because of it. But if you stand there in front of me, you know whoever you are, I mean, I, I consider myself to have the best stand-up in, in MMA by far. And, uh, you know, I think that was something I proved. Uh, nobody, nobody's ever made Mike Richmond, you know, look like that, and, and especially standing up with him. All his losses are real close and, like, uh beating them with grappling mostly. So um, it's something I wanted to display, you know, I wanted to put it out there and display it. And I think I did.
A hundred percent. And I mean, we know Mike's a tough guy. I mean, the dude's a former Marine, but were you surprised that he didn't go down? What a beast, man. Yeah, all respect to him, man. He, he was a, he was a true warrior. I wasn't surprised. I, I, um, I figured that he would be a tough guy like that, but I, I didn't think that he was going to be standing after, after some of those blows, man. Um, uh, I, I'm really, you know, when I, when I hit somebody, usually they, they fall. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, where do you go from here? I'm I'm waiting for that UFC call, man. Uh, that, I'm not I'm not thinking about anything else. Pretty much, I'm gonna be getting ready and staying in shape for the UFC. They 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 better start getting ready to mail me that contract. Yeah, I know, right? It's about time. I'm I'm ready, man. I'm 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 more than I'm I'm ready for the UFC. I think I think that beating Mike Richmond in that fashion. I think that was a that was a statement. That was a stamp on my record. I, you know, it's eight in a row now, and and beating a, a legit vet like Mike Richmond actually put a stamp on it. So I think I think that's it, man. I really I really don't see what else I have to do. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you. You're on an eight-fight win streak, and yeah, just uh, showed up on Mike Richmond. Now, real quick, speaking about a great performance, what about your teammate Jorge Masvidal? Well. What a what a beast, man! He really looked good. He uh, he's his last couple of fights, he's been shining, man. And you know, he's been putting it, putting in that work. I think that he's gonna be getting a title shot pretty soon. Dude, what do you think it is, man? Because look, he's always been an incredibly skilled fighter. Like we all know that, but now he's just taking dudes out. And it's interesting because the one thing that we've criticized him in the past for, you know, as fans, right, is that you know he'll destroy someone in that first round and then he'll kind of coast a little bit in the third. In this fight, yeah, there, was, there was zero coasting whatsoever. <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think it was um, a, a little bit of uh, him getting robbed. I think he had like like two, three fights that were super close and which I thought he won and a, a bunch of people thought he won and uh, he didn't get the decision. And I think that that kind of changed his whole, his whole attitude in going in the fight and actually putting on a beatdown on people. So I, I think that was, that was kind of the game changer. Man, I mean, it's just unbelievable to see him finally getting the respect he deserves. Because for the hardcore fans, we've known forever how legit he is. But now, you know, when you beat a guy like Cowboy Cerrone in that fashion, even the idiots that make the rankings can't deny him. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't deny. He, he, he completely annihilated him, and yeah, man, he, he looked great. So, dude, as far as you're concerned, I mean, I know you're a fighter. You'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. But is there someone specific you want in the UFC? <laughs> if you ask me who I want to fight in the UFC, uh, I, I would I would say the champ, Cody Garbrandt or uh, Jose Aldo. But obviously, that's not going to be a realistic uh, statement. But that's who I would want, obviously. But anybody, pretty much, I, I think I match up well with anybody in the top ten. I, if it was up to me, I would get somebody in the top ten. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And speaking of Garbrandt, were you surprised about the performance he put on against Cruz, man? Because I know a lot of us were. Well, I wasn't surprised because I've, I've said it for the longest time. Anybody who knows how to box even a little bit knows how to beat Dominic Cruz. I mean, all he throws is hooks up top to the head. All you got to do is get under him. You know, he doesn't really... I used to get so irritated when people used to say that he has a top-notch boxing is like dude are you watching the same thing i'm watching like <laughs> it's that's not top-notch boxing anybody who knows boxing even a little bit knows that that's not top-notch boxing man so, I, no i wasn't i wasn't really surprised on on, on the outcome 
Yeah, and you know what? It's such exciting times for the bantamweight division. I mean, you got Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, Jimmy Rivera, John Lineker, and obviously Dominic Cruz, all these guys, you know, in the top five. But then there's newcomers like yourself. So, man, you know, what's, a, what's the trajectory for you, man? I, I see it, I see it happening pretty quick, man. I, I really do. Uh, I think with the, my style and my, the way I perform, I think that the UFC is going to like that and they're going to, you know, throw me throw me in right away and i think i'm going to be finishing especially at 35 i'm going to be finishing guys up and i think that that's it's going to happen real quick like it happened to go to garbrandt um he he got up there real quick and i think i'm going to be doing the same thing yeah i man. think uh you know my, i mean mike the, the day of the fight was was a lot bigger than me you know and i guess that probably helped him too with uh you know standing up there while, while i was giving him those shots and I think at 35, just my power and, and my speed is, will be the biggest difference. Man, it must also feel good to, you know, know that guys are actually going to take fights with you now. You know, because before the biggest problem was no one wanted to fight you whatsoever. But, you know, I'm not going to speak too soon, Lazar, right? But now that you're in the position you're in, I feel like dudes are going to be forced to fight you. Well, that, in the UFC, they have no choice. Uh, and and that's my plan. To, to I don't think I don't think out, I think outside the UFC it wouldn't be that easy. I think I think uh, after you know my fight with Richmond, I think I became more of a boogeyman actually. But in the UFC, they don't have a choice. So I mean, the UFC is my my next plan. I really don't see myself fighting outside of the UFC uh, for any. Uh, you know, I, I really don't see it happening. Definitely, and dude, who it's not you... part of my plan? It's not part of my plan, you know. Yeah, exactly. Who you got this weekend between the Korean Zombie and Dennis Bermudez? I mean, it's been forever since we've seen the Korean Zombie, but we all remember the incredible wars he had with Poirier, with Leonard Garcia, and I mean, Dennis Bermudez is a gamer too. So, what do you think about that fight, dude? Yeah, I mean, I mean Dennis Bermudez. Yeah, he he always comes. He always shows up. I think I think it's gonna be an entertaining fight, but I think. I, I, I was a big fan of the Korean Zombie when he was fighting, so I really hope he comes out with the win. I, I think I think he comes out with the win, though. I hope so. <laughs> Man, that would be so cool. Just because you know, as a fan, how could you not love a guy like the Korean Zombie, right? But dude, what do you yeah. think about this fight between uh, James Vick and Abel Trujillo? Um, to be honest, I I, I really don't I, I I don't know too much about either guy. I I I fought on the same cards as as Trujillo. A couple times in CFA, but I, really uh, the other guy, Vic, I think his name is. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know much about him. I don't know much about him. Man, style. I'll tell you this: make sure you tune in for that one because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a serious fight. There's not gonna be you know humping anyone's leg or any shit like that. Yeah. Those, those, those two are gonna yeah, try to Durillo fight each comes, other. Yeah, Durillo comes to bang. I've seen him fight a couple times. You know, he when when I was in the card, uh, the, the CFA cards, he fought a couple times on. When I fought for the belt, he fought on the undercard, and, and he always shows up to bang, too. So um, I'll be looking forward to that fight. I'll be watching out for it now. Thanks. Definitely. Dude, one more fight prediction before we get out of here. Your boy, Dustin Poirier, he's making his returning as Jim Miller. I mean, Jim Miller, that's a big name in the sport, a very tough guy. But, you know, I, I, I feel like Dustin's on a mission right now, man. I feel like he's got something to prove. What do you think about the matchup? I got I got Dustin man Dustin Dustin's sharp sharpest knife in the in the drawer man when he when he shows up he shows up and I think he he's gonna be ready I've been watching him train and the way he looks he he looks more ready than ever 
Uh, I got my boy Dustin. I, I think I think he's gonna come with. Uh, I think he's gonna get a KO. Man, that would be incredible to see. So Lazar, before we get out of here, bro, I mean, what's next, man? That UFC call. I mean, that's uh, that's what's on I'm, the, the radar. I'm waiting by my phone, man. I'm waiting by my phone. Dana better pick it up and call me, or Sean Shelby, one of those guys better pick up the phone. I'm waiting. I'll I'll be waiting. I don't plan on on taking any other calls, so I'll be waiting for the UFC. Awesome, bro. Well, obviously, we're all going to be tuning in. We cannot wait to see what happens next. Looking forward to you making that UFC debut, Lazar. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now, in Half the Battle. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, dude. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me on Bronx Bomber 135 on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I just want to thank you for having me, uh, you know, leading up to the fight. Thank all my sponsors, Venom, uh, uh, Oral IV, um, Lopez Plumbing, um, all my sponsors, all my training partners at American Top Team, all my training partners at Fifth Street Gym, everybody that helped me for this fight. And, and we're, we're only going up from here, man. Lazar, thanks again for the time, man. Have a great day, bro. You too, man. Thank you. And joining me now is bantamweight prospect Damian Whitehead. Damian, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, brother. I appreciate it. Oh, you got it, dude. So real quick, I, I got a bone to pick, Damian, because look, you just had your first MMA fight. You know, you're training out a knuckle up. We're teammates. I saw you tweeting at Uriah and Cody saying that one day I'm going to be good enough to train at Team Alpha Male. So I, I got a bone to pick, bro. Uh, is knuckle up not good enough for you? <laughs> no, brother. Knuckle up is great. Um... Ever since I was like 18, it's always been my dream to go over there and uh, and train over in California with the Team Alpha Male guys. I felt like their style has always been my style, and um, you know I feel like that would just match me most um, in the future of my career. You know, right now I'm still growing. Knuckle Up is probably it's definitely the best gym I've ever trained at, um, hands down. The best coaches, hands down, the best training partners, including yourself. A lot of people don't know, but you have some pretty good hands. You know, <laughs> uh, you have some pretty good striking, brother. So. I love it over there. I love it at Knuckle Up. I would never quit Knuckle Up. I would never leave Knuckle Up. Uh, would I cross-train Team Alpha Male? Absolutely. And, and real quick, Damien, you know, all, all bullshit aside, man, you were one of the only people telling me, hey, look out for Garbrandt. He's got a serious chance against Dominic Cruz. Now, most of us, you know, looked at you like you were crazy. It turns out you were up to something, dude. Yeah, man. Um, when you see him fight, the the power that guy has at 135, it's, it's ridiculous. When he hits people, he hurts people. Um I just never seen Dominic Cruz get hit. So my whole thing was if Cody hits him, I, I never felt like Dominic Cruz had a chance. Um, did I think Cody was ready for that fight at the moment? No. Um, he proved me wrong. He proved most people wrong, you know, uh, except for the Team Alpha Male guys over in his gym. So that was, it, was, it was fun. It was good being a Cody Garbrandt fan watching that fight. Dude, did you see uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Cowboy the other day? Yeah, I did. That surprised me. I thought... Cowboy looked unstoppable at 170 the last couple fights he's had. And then Jorge Masvidal made him look like an amateur, you know, just went in there, took care of business real quick. And it didn't, I mean, honestly, Cowboy was lucky to go up, get out the first round. He literally got saved by the bell, which doesn't happen too much in MMA. So he literally got lucky to get out the first round. Dude, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because if you watch it on slow motion, so 
Herb Dean stops Masvidal before the bell rings. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that's a first-round knockout, man. And then you look at something else, the fact that Greg Jackson let Cowboy answer the bell for the second round. This is the second time in a row, Damian, because in that fight with Yair Rodriguez and BJ Penn, Jacksons were, uh, were cornering BJ Penn. They let him answer the bell for the second round. So let me ask you this as a fighter, man. Do you think that, you know, look... You're, anything can happen, a fight to fight, let him come out for the second round, or do you think that the fighter's safety should be taken into account in a situation like that? Um, so I, I think it's a toss-up, man. Uh, I, I think as a coach, you have to look at your fighter's safety, but at the same time, you don't want to kind of make your uh, fighter feel like a bitch, excuse my language. Um, oh, you can say whatever you want, but, it's half the battle, bro, go ahead. <laughs> Alright, yeah, so you don't want your fighter to feel like a bitch, you know, you don't want to have him go out there and have the opportunity to go out there and win and then just take it away from him with, with you throwing in the towel and not let him go back out there. But at the same time, you know, you don't want him to go out there and suffer brain damage either. So I, I think it's a toss-up. I think it's a situation-by-situation. Situation. Um, Cowboy looked good in the second round. You know, he looked like like his face looked like he was fine to go out there. Um, Performance-wise, he didn't look like he was good, but facially he looked like he was good. So he looked focused. He looked everything. Um BJ Penn, I didn't agree with that one too much. I thought BJ was done. But um, speaking from a fighter's perspective, if you're saying you're good to go, like you're good to go, man. Like the coach, no one knows if you're good to go more than you. So I think you have to kind of listen to the fighter. Uh, at the same time, it's, it's good to. That's why I like it at Knuckle Up, man. Like our coaches know us. You know, they personally work with us. So it's when we go out there and we say we're good to go, they can feel it. They can feel our energy. So I think it's good to have a coach that understands where you're coming from. No doubt about it, and it's definitely a case-by-case basis, like you said, man, because with, uh, you know, even though Cowboy and BJ are both historically two of the toughest guys of all time, I'll I'll go as far as saying that, man, you know, both of them did get subsequently stopped in the second round, you know, in short order, so it it is up for debate, but, you know, with with fighters with that kind of heart, you know, fighters are going to fight, that's the bottom line, right, Damian? Exactly, Um, we, we know what we signed up for. And, you know, we, once you lock those cage doors, a different side of us comes out. And that's it. Like, don't stop us until we get stopped. That's my mentality through it. I'm sure that's, I mean, that's most people's mentality through it. None of us are scared to fight. None of us are scared to get knocked out. Do we want to? No. But none of us are, none of us are scared to do it. So if you ask us if we're good, we can be rocked. We can be stumbling into the ring. We can be stumbling into the cage. We're still going to say, let's go. Let's do it. And we'll keep going. <laughs> Let me drive, bro, right? Exactly, that's it. <laughs> so, dude, real quick, let's talk about your uh, MMA debut, which happened about a week or two ago. And, man, you had a hell of a performance, you know, for those that don't know. So you go in there, and, I mean, you almost finished the guy on the feet. He went for a couple arm bars. You slammed him like Rampage. And in the third round, he finally caught you with the arm bar after you were dominating the entire fight. So, firstly, man, what was it like stepping into the cage for the first time? So... This, that was weird, man. It was, uh, I heard from a lot of people, you know, you're going to have like the nerves and, you know, you're going to go in there, you're going to feel the adrenaline, you're going to, you know, um, it's just going to be a different feeling. Um, the only thing I can say was it was the only time in my life where I was completely zoned out. Completely. Like, I, I didn't hear my walkout song. I, I literally zoned out to just my coach. But other than that, I felt like I was supposed to be in there, man. I felt no pressure. Um, you know, that was one compliment that a lot of people were giving me that I looked really calm, especially that being my first fight, I, I didn't feel any pressure. I didn't. I just felt like I was supposed to be in there. So it was great, man. Dude, you know what's interesting about that is that 
So in the training room, for those that don't know, you know, you're the kind of guy that swings some serious haymakers, you know, and if dudes aren't blocking their faces, they could get knocked out. In this fight, it seemed like you were trying to be technical with the guy. Now, don't get me wrong, you still hurt him, but I saw a lot more straight punches in the fight than I do in the gym, Damien. Yeah, so <laughs> it's funny as you say that because um, preparing for the fight, I was really trying. I saw some of, I saw one of his fights uh, from maybe like two years ago, and he threw really wild punches. And I mean, you know me, man. I'm I'm willing to go in there and brawl with you, um, but I kind of want to make a statement. So I really started working on the street shots and the angles and stuff like that. So I really, really, really tried to go in there and throw more straight punches. Um, you know, I, I got to work on my stand up a little bit more. I, I was a little disappointed in my own stand up. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to exploit his weakness, and, you know, that was it. Definitely. I mean, who am I to give you advice? But, man, you got to fight like yourself, dude. And if that means going out there and swinging bombs, then go out there and swing bombs because, I mean, every single fighter brings their own, you know, their own aspects to the table, right? You know, some dudes are great with the straight punches. Some dudes are great with the loopy ones. Some dudes are great with the wrestling. So, you know, what's it going to take for you to, you know, fight like you do in the gym? Um, I think it just comes down to a little bit of confidence, man. Um, a little bit of experience, I should say. That guy, you know, as most people know, he had five fights. He's a five-fight veteran. Um, a lot of people are overlooking him. We're thinking I was going to walk all over him. Um, because the technique wasn't as good. And real quick, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You you did walk all over him. You just you know you simply got yeah. caught by by a dude with five times more experience than you in the third round. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just gonna take some experience. You know, uh, instead of going in there trying to fight like somebody else, you know, you just have to get comfortable in your own feet, and you know, just go out there and do what you do in the training training room, and um, just know that that'll work out in the ring also. Um, I tried to change up my style to try to fight my opponent instead of going with my style that works with better guys in the gym. So next time I know, you know, it's a literally it's a learning experience. Every fight, you know, you learn a little bit. So that was that was my learning lesson. You know, fight like me. Don't try to fight like anybody else, and um, you know, keep the pressure on people. You know, the little bit I let I let up a little bit of pressure in that third round, and that's when he got me with the armbar. Yeah, definitely got to fight like you, man. I'm telling you right now, you let those hands go like you do in the gym, dudes are going to be flying out the cage. Now, real quick, so, you know, this guy went for an armbar a couple different times in the fight, and, you know, you slammed them like Rampage slammed Arona, like Rampage slammed Bader. I mean, it, it was some classic shit. The audience went crazy, but in the third round, you know, he finally got you with it. How, how tight was that armbar, man? Was there no way to get out of that one? Um, so... To be real, um, going into the third round, I had a really big adrenaline dump. Um, it was the first time I've ever felt like that. My my cardio was fine. I wasn't tired. Um, my body was dead. You know, I had nothing left in any of my in any of my muscles. If you watch, you know, the first couple seconds when he throws some strikes, I'd even strike back. I just kind of took it. Um, so when he got me in the armbar, I tried to kind of use technique to escape, and I spun the wrong way. So. It kind of caused the, the angle to kind of get worse. And then from there, I couldn't. I tried to kind of shake my arm out. That didn't work. And from there, it got tighter and tighter. And he had all this weight on top of my elbow. And from there, it was, uh, that, was, that was basically it, man. From there, I had to tap. And it sucked. You know, it is what it is. Every single fighter has to take that first loss, but it's how you rebound and come back from it that really counts. And, you know, the great fighters, they, they rise and they overcome. I mean, look, you know uh, that Conor McGregor got tapped out more than once in under 30 seconds, right? Correct. Look at him now. 
I mean, that, that's all I got to exactly. say. And with you, you actually got to show some of your game throughout the fight. It just didn't end how you wanted it to. But now you, you get to rectify the situation in your next fight. So when are you looking to get back in there? Um, I'm trying to get back in there in March, man, March 24th. Um, I'm trying. Uh, we haven't really found me an opponent, but I'll still be looking. Um, if I don't get in March, then hopefully it'll be April. If not April, then hopefully May. If not May, then let's do June. You know, I, I'm always ready to fight. I'm willing to fight uh, basically anyone. So, you know, any 135ers out there that are listen to this, you know, let's do it. Hey, so March, uh, it, it, March 24th, isn't that the same date as your brother's title defense? Yeah, uh, my little brother, Jamar Whitehead, if you guys don't know, um, he's the current NFC Bantamweight um, Muay Thai champion um, for the junior division. Um, you know, he's, he's finding a guy that's apparently the Valor 125-pound champ, so that will be a nice little win for him. Um, I don't think that guy's fought anyone close to what my brother has to offer. Uh, so, you know, that that'll be a nice little win for him. Yeah, Jamar's a little savage, man. But let me ask you this. Is there any kind of added pressure fighting on the same card as your brother? And the reason I ask is you two are stone-cold killers. You two don't really care, right? So would anything like that affect you at all? Or is it just, hey, it's another fight. Let's go. Um, That's hard to say, man. We've never fought on the same card before. We've never competed on the same tournament before. Even when we, both, even when we wrestled, you know, we're six years apart. So, you know, we never got the opportunity to wrestle. When I did my jiu-jitsu competition, he didn't compete. So that's hard to say, man. I don't think it would affect us, but it might. You know, if he went out there and let's say he lost, you know, it might affect me in a negative way. Whereas if he won, it might affect me in a positive way and vice versa. If I went out there and lost, you know, he might go out there more anxious and more nervous. And if I went out there and won, then, you know, he might go out there and, you know, perform better. Or, or it could go the other way where I win and he performs like – like bad because he feels like there's a lot of added pressure. You know, I could perform bad because he won because there's added pressure. Um, you know, we have a good little camaraderie in the gym, you know, where we both like to push each other to a different level. But in the cage, man, I think, I, I don't know. You know, we've never, I haven't even cornered him since his first, like, um, since his first, like, amateur uh, kickboxing fight down in Florida. You know, he had a couple smoker fights and I coached him through, like, two of those. But I've Ever since wrestling, I haven't coached him one time, so I don't know. I don't know how it would be with both of us stepping in the cage in one night. Honestly, man, that's a good point, and you know, it, it's also going to be a really good experience for both of you going forward. Because when you turn pro, you're going to have all the distractions and all the reasons to, you know, to either find a way to fight or find a way not to fight in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're when you go pro, half of your purse is on the line. All the bragging rights. Correct. People are watching you on TV. So little things such as your brother competing on the same day, it's not going to matter as much because it's such an individual sport. So I feel like this is going to actually work wonders for both of you psychologically. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it'll either completely make us or completely break us. And if it breaks us, then we know for the future, like, let's not find the same card. And if it completely makes us, like, hey, let's keep fighting on the same card. You know, it's as simple as that. Um, luckily we're getting it out now. We're both amateurs, you know, um, we don't want to find this out when we're professional. You know, that's something we don't want to do. So if we don't fight on the same card, it's both of us are professional. Guess what? We're not going to fight on the same card. It's just as simple as that. Um, I don't think Nick and Nate Diaz fight on the same card. Um, I don't think Stack Wolf and Zane Wolf, who are pretty, two really good fighters for the NFC, two up and comers also. I don't think they fight on the same card. Um, I don't know too many brothers who do fight on the same card. So the Pettis uh, brothers it, don't it, either it, anymore. They used to, but not exactly. anymore. So, 
So I, I think it all depends, man. You know, locally you might be able to find the same car and completely walk through everyone. But when we get to like, the big circuit, you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Hey, real quick, who you got this weekend between the Korean Zombie and Dennis Bermudez? You know, it's been a long time since we've seen the Korean Zombie fight, but I mean, we all remember the war he had with Leonard Garcia. We all remember when he knocked out Mark Hominick in seven seconds. The twister in the rematch against Leonard Garcia. I mean, Chan Sung Jung has had some of the best moments in MMA history, but when you talk about a guy like Bermudez, he's been active. He's a tough-nosed wrestler. You can drop this guy, and he's still going to be in your face. What are you thinking for this matchup, Damian? Um, I think if Korean Zombie comes back like like he was before his whole military service, I, I don't think there's many people in his weight class that could beat him. Uh, that dude's tough, man. I've seen him completely be out on his feet and still walk forward, take more hits, and then throw right back at you. His ground game is really good. So, yeah, Bermuda's is a really good wrestler. Um, but, I mean, as you know from my fight, the better wrestler can lose. So, uh, Bermuda's is tough. Korean Zombie's tough. I just think Korean Zombie's a little tougher, and I think he's been through a little bit more if he comes back the same way he was at before now if he we don't know how that military um military service really distracted his training we don't know if he's going to come back as the same person Man, nothing would make me happier than to see Chan Sung Jung return to form. Because like we said, one of the most exciting fighters in MMA history. And before I let you go, you know, two more predictions. So I heard OSP was getting in some work at our gym knuckle up. I was just there at different hours. Any truth to this, Damien? Yeah, man, it was true. Um, unfortunately, I was at work, so I missed the training. Um, but my little brother, Jamar, got a picture with him and everything. He was there for, uh, for Thursday morning team training, which is like wall work and grappling. And he was putting in some work. So, yeah. Was you know, it? Knuckle Up's getting out there, man. You know, big big name fighters are coming out there. They realize that, you know, it's one of the best gyms in Atlanta to train at. So, Was it just a one-time thing, or is he uh, is he making this regular? Um, As far as I know, it, it was a one-time thing. I do know he goes over there with, uh, with Warren Thompson, who's a former coach for uh, Knuckle Up. Uh, I know he trains over there pretty regularly. Um, but I, I'm not sure about the whole Knuckle Up thing. I think he was just there to help some of our guys train. He could, it could be a regular thing. I didn't, like I said, I didn't get a chance to see him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But hopefully it's an everyday thing. Hopefully it's a normal thing. And hopefully I can start getting some work with OSP. Yeah, dude. We down with OSP over here. I definitely would love to get some work in with him. Now, real quick, before we get out of here, last prediction. James Vick is making his return against Abel Trujillo. You know that's going to be a super explosive fight. And, I mean, with Trujillo... I mean, what can we say? You remember the fight against Jamie Varner, fight of the night, knockout of the night. And with James Vick, I mean, always a tough out. This dude pops dude's heads back with his straight punches. Tallest man in the UFC lightweight division, six foot three versus 5'8". Who you got in this one, dude? Uh, I think I'm going to go with James Vick, man. I think he's a smarter fighter than Trujillo. Um, Trujillo's really athletic, really tough, comes forward a lot. You know, if he hits you, he hurts you. But I just think James Vick's a smarter fighter in that one, man. Um, I think he's got a better game plan. I think he's the better fighter when you talk about stylistic, you know, just straight technical um, technical fighter. I think he's a better fighter. So I think I call James Vick in that one by second round TKO. I like it, man. I like the pick a lot. Damien, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Go ahead, dude. All right, brother, I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, for those of you guys that want to follow me on Instagram, that's, I'm most active on Instagram. It's Damien underscore Whitehead. Um, and then you can follow me on Facebook, and it's just Damien Whitehead. Bro, you got to let them know about your Twitter, man. That's where all my fans are. <laughs> um, 
thing, man. I don't even remember my Twitter. Honestly, I don't. I don't really go on it that much. I think it's uh, it's D Whitehead nineteen ninety three. Fucker. This guy knows it, man. There you go. <laughs> I don't go on Twitter that much, man. I really gotta start jumping back on, but I haven't been on Twitter in, I mean, probably like two weeks. Probably like two days, right? But hey, one of the posts recently, Tyron Woodley was talking to us. So look, man, all these fighters are like, man, I need to get my name out of there. I need to learn how to promote myself. Then half of y'all fuckers don't even have Twitter accounts. So you got, <laughs> got, got to get on it, my man. I will, man. That's the best way to talk to like some, some of the bigger fighters and stuff. So I, I will definitely start jumping on I did see Tyron talk to us after our team training. Um, so that was cool. Awesome, brother. Well, Damien, thanks again for the time, my man, and uh, best of luck, man. I'll, I'll probably see you later today at the gym, all right? All right, brother. Take care, man. Thank you once again. You got to do it anytime. Peace out, Damien. There you have it, folks. Colby Covington, Lazar Stojadinovich, and Damien Whitehead. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time... Let's cash these bets.